Here is your Radio Theater Channel weekly podcast for download. The RTC still has the very best old-time radio on the live streaming. And if it's music you love, tune in to the RTC Music Channel, where this link and many others are on our website at oldtimeradiolisten.com. Now, here's Jim. Hello and welcome to the RTC Weekly Download. I'm Jim Dolan, your host. And it's great to have you with us for another week of old-time radio programming. Well, since this is November, we have some November-themed programming. That means Thanksgiving here in the United States, and we're going to see how Jack Benny handles the situation. This program is called How Jack and the Gang Spent Thanksgiving, and it's from 1948, and stay tuned, because we're going out west to Fort Laramie right after Jack Benny. The Jack Benny Program, presented by America's largest selling cigarette, Lucky Strike. Lucky Strike, first again with tobacco men, first again with the men who really know tobacco. The independent auctioneers, buyers, and warehousemen. Yes, a recent impartial survey shows that more independent tobacco experts smoke Lucky Strike regularly than the next two leading brands combined. So let this overwhelming smoking preference of the experts lead you to real deep-down smoking enjoyment. Just light up a Lucky and puff by puff, you'll see. L-S-M-F-T, L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. And this fine Lucky Strike tobacco means a world of smoking enjoyment for you. Yes, puff by puff, pack by pack. You'll like Lucky Strike. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, last Thursday was Thanksgiving, so let's uh, go back and show you how Jack Benny and his gang spent the day. Our scene opens in Jack's home in Beverly Hills. Night and day, I am the one. Thanksgiving comes and goes, but I'm never done. Rochester. I'm working all the time. I'm nothing but a one-man assembly line. (laughs) Night and day. Rochester. Day and night. Al Jolson. I gotta be on one knee. I'm scrubbing the floor. Rochester, you've been singing all day today. Well, I'm happy, boss. Here it is Thanksgiving, and I could have been born a turkey. Oh, you wouldn't have liked that, huh? No, I couldn't stand being in the oven all undressed and people peeping in at me every few minutes. Oh. And when you ain't got no head, you can't tell them to close the door. I know, I know. Say, Rochester, I'm going to Miss Livingston's house for a Thanksgiving party, so will you help me get dressed? Okay. But if I were you, I'd change my mind about wearing that old tuxedo. Why? What'd you do to it? Oh, it's nothing I did, boss. But when I went to get it, the closet was full of moths. Moths? Oh, my goodness. Were they eating my tuxedo? Eating it? They didn't even look up when I came in. (laughs) Well, maybe it won't show. What part were they eating? Well, to put it geographically, the South ain't solid anymore. (laughs) Oh, stop being silly. Every time I want to get dressed, you all... I'll get it. Mr. Benny's residence, storm stage, screen, and radio. Hello, Rochester. Christmas cards printed to your specifications. Rochester. We'll sit with babies, mow your lawn, cater to private parties, and we'll give violin recitals at birthdays, weddings, and meat market openings. 
Rochester, this is Miss Livingston. I've heard all that before. I know, but we got four parties on this line, and their business is as good as anybody's. Oh, uh, well, look, Rochester. If Mr. Benny isn't printing Christmas cards, sitting with a baby, mowing a lawn, or giving a recital at a birthday wedding or meat market opening, let me talk to him. Yes, ma'am. It's for you, boss. It's Miss Livingston. Oh. Hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. The whole gang is here. When are you coming over? Pretty soon. And, Mary, I got a surprise for you. I'm going to dress formal. Formal? But, Jack, that tuxedo of yours is so old, it's green. Oh, Mary, my tuxedo isn't green. Well, okay, wear it, but stay away from the salad bowl. You may get stabbed with a fork. <laughs> oh, stop. Well, Jack, the reason I called you is I've been so busy getting the dinner ready for you and the gang, I forgot to get some candy. Will you bring some? Oh, sure, Mary. I'll stop at the drugstore and get some lifesavers. <laughs> No, no, the mints alone don't, Mary, but you're going to the expense of the entire dinner. Why should you spend more? <laughs> After all, you're doing enough. Jack, I meant for you to buy the candy. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, oh. Oh, oh. Oh. Well, Mary, why didn't you come right out and say so? Of course I'll bring it. Goodbye. Goodbye. Well, of all the cheap. What'd you say, Mary? This is Mrs. Stewart on your party line. Oh, hello, Mrs. Stewart. Don't hello me and you can cancel my order for Christmas cards. But Mrs. Stewart. And that goes for me, too. What? This is Mr. Stevens on your other party line. But Mr. Stevens... And I'll get someone else to sit with my baby. Mrs. Allman, please. What are your prices? <laughs> what? I'm new in this neighborhood. Oh. Well, I have a regular price list. Yeah, you get it tomorrow. I mailed it this morning. Rochester, get off the extension. <laughs> I wish there weren't so many people on my party line. They all listened in the other day when I was talking to my agency. Bat and Barton, Durston and Osborne. I'll get it, Rochester. I wish I were all alone on my telephone. There was no one else but me. Hello, Mr. Benny. Well, well, hello, Mr. Kitzel. What brings you here? I was passing by and I stopped to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Oh, well, that's nice of you. Come on in. Thank you. Wait till I tie this leash. Oh, you've got your dog with you? No, my turkey. I'm taking him out for a walk. <laughs> Mr. Kitzel... You're taking a turkey for a walk? <laughs> a long walk. Why? By the time we get home, she'll be so glad to lay down, the rest will be easy. <laughs> oh. Well, tell me. Well, tell me, Mr. Kitzel, are you, uh, are you going to have much company at your Thanksgiving dinner? My wife's relatives. Oh, just your wife's relatives, huh? Just. <laughs> you should have so many listeners. <laughs> well, gee. Gee, Mr. Kissel, how, how many are going to be there? Well, there's going to be my wife's mother and father, her sister Claudette, her three brothers, one of her aunts, two of her nephews, and a distant cousin from Cucamonga. Say, your wife really has a big family. Yeah. Well, I got to be running along. Oh, but first, Mr. Benny, I got to tell you how much I enjoyed your radio program last week. 
Thank you. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> you, you... <laughs> you, you liked it, huh? Yeah, I liked it. Oh, such a trouble you had when you was calling your agency Betten, Barton, Bagel, and Blintzess. <laughs> no. No, 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 Mr. Kitzo. See, my agency is Batten, Barton, Durston, and Osborne. Well, leave and learn. Yeah. And guess. Well, yes, and guess. Well, goodbye, Mr. Benny. I got to be going. Goodbye, Mr. Kitzel. It was nice seeing you. The feeling is natural. <laughs> imagine, imagine taking a turkey for a walk. Oh, my goodness, look what time it is. Rochester, help me get dressed now. I'm late for Miss Livingston's party. Gee, I'll bet the whole gang is there having a wonderful time. I didn't come here to criticize. I'm not here to sympathize. But don't tell me those no-good lies. But the line gal I do despise. She's got baked ribs and butter beans, ham hocks and turnip greens. You and me in New Orleans, and that's what I like about the South. How is that, Livy? You better sing another chorus. The turkey isn't dead yet. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I wish Jack would get here. Hey, Phil, that was a swell idea, bringing your whole band over here to Mary's house. Yeah, wasn't it? Phil, I don't mind your band being here, but your boys have a lot of nerve putting one of my best dishes on the piano for an ashtray. That ain't no ashtray. That's for tips. <laughs> What a gang. Hey, uh, Mary, can I eat now? I've got to leave in half an hour. For heaven's sake. Hey, Livy, hand me a bottle opener. My boys are hungry. <laughs> Never mind that. We'll eat in a few minutes. I hope so. I've been here since 6.30 this morning. 6.30 this morning? Why, Dennis, how come you got here so early? Oh, my mother had to deliver the milk anyway, so I thought I'd ride over with her. <laughs> you rode over on the milk truck? Oh, I rode over on the cow. Her customers like it fresh. <laughs> hey... Wait a minute, kid. You mean your mother comes right up to the door and milks the cow herself? Yeah, my mother's the best milker in the country. She is? Sure, she can squirt right through the hole of a donut at 20 paces. <laughs> Yesterday, she turned the cow upside down and hit the O in Honest John. Oh, stop being so silly. Hey, fellas, let's have some more music. Come on, Charlie, hit it. Oh, hey, wait a minute, Phil. Can I play the drums? Sure, go ahead, Dante. Beat it out. Get up, you're sitting on my orchestra Now, fellas, don't break up the house I've got to go out in the kitchen See how my maid is doing I can't give you anything but love, baby That's it Oh, uh, Pauline, as soon as Mr. Benny gets here, we'll have dinner Yes, ma'am And remember my instructions Yes, Miss Livingston I must serve everybody from the left Everybody except Don Wilson How do I serve Mr. Wilson? From both sides, it jumped back fast <laughs> Now, let me see, um, what else do Hey, I... Levy, I just thought of something Oh, just a minute, Phil, I'm talking to my maid Well, look at them legs Phil I'm looking at the turkey <laughs> Oh, Anyway, Libby, when the food's all ready, let me know. I'll help you serve it. Well, thanks, Phil, but it won't be necessary. I've hired a butler for the day. Okay. I'd like to see that turkey in a bathing suit. Phil! <laughs> Get out of here. 
out of here. <laughs> oh, gosh, Miss Livingston. I'm just crazy about that man. Phil Harris? Yeah. He's got so much more than Gregory, and he doesn't fight it. <laughs> Well, now I've heard everything. And the door buzzer, too. I'll get it, Pauline. I can't give you anything but love, baby. That's the only thing. Oh, hello, Jack. What took you so long? Well, I had to stop for the candy. Here you are, Mary. Thanks. Is everybody here? Sure. Uh, Jack, they're in the living room. Let's go in. Jack, you did wear that old tuxedo, didn't you? Oh, it's not so old. Hey, hiya, fellas. Hello, Phil. Well, if it ain't the Green Hornet. (laughs) All right, all right. Hello, Jack. Hiya, Don. Hello, Dennis. Hello, Mr. Benny. I've been here since 6.30. That's nice. Say, Mary. (laughs) Hey, Mary. You know, I noticed something peculiar as I came over here. You know that white line that goes down the middle of the street? Yeah. Well, it goes up over the curb, across your sidewalk, and right up to your door. The white line? Holy smoke, my mother's cow must have a loose gasket. (laughs) A loose what? Uh, I'll explain it to you later. Hey, Jackson, I brought my whole band over here. They're in the other room. Yeah, the sportsman's quartet came, too. Well, this is really going to be a party. Oh, darn it, I forgot my violin. I'll go back and get it. Jackson, you take one step to that door and I'll hit you so hard your toupee will spin like a Spike Jones record. <laughs> okay, okay, if you don't want any entertainment. Oh, we'll have entertainment. Say, Dennis, it'll be a little while before we eat, so how about a song? Yeah, come on, Dennis, how about it, huh? Sure, sure, go ahead, kid. Yeah, go ahead, kid. It's about time somebody asked me. I've been here since 6.30. <laughs> now, come on, Dennis, go ahead and sing your song. I'll get it, Mary. Hold the song till I come back, will you, kid? Yeah, da dee da dum, da dee da dum, ba bum ba beetle Yes? How do you do? <laughs> is this Miss Livingston's residence? Yes. Yes, it is. Well, Miss Livingston is expecting me for Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, oh, well, come right in. You got here just in time. You know, the fun's starting. How nice. Here. Uh, here, let me take your hat. Thank you. Your coat? Thank you. Now, follow me. Hey, kid! Oh, pardon me. I, I didn't introduce myself. I'm Jack Denny. Uh, how do you do? I'm the new butler. Hey, kid! What? <laughs> You're the, the butler? Yes. Are you the downstairs man? <laughs> I happen to be a guest here. Well, you could have fooled me. <laughs> If you're the butler, the kitchen, the kitchen is right through that door. Thank you. Hmm. Jack, who was at the door? Nobody. Well, whose coat and hat are you carrying? <laughs> oh, darn it's your butler's. He just came in. <laughs> All right, well. I know how to keep help. Go ahead and sing, Dennis. I'm sending you a big bouquet of roses, one for every time you broke my heart, 
different, but you'll always be untrue. I'm tired of forgiving. Now there's nothing left to do. So I'm sending you a big bouquet of roses. One for every time you broke my heart. I beg you to be different, but you'll always be untrue. I'm tired of forgiving. Now there's nothing left to do. I've been here since 6.30. <laughs> oh, quiet. Hey, kid, look at Let's all march in. You know, conga line. Okay. Da-da-da-da-da-boom. Da-da-da-da-da-boom. Don, if you can't control it, don't swing it. <laughs> Heaven's sake. Oh, Jack, you and your ideas. Now, come on in, fellas. The dinner will get cold. Okay, let's go. All right, I'll be with you in a minute. Hey, what's this dish on top of the piano? Well. Hey, Jackson, get your hands out of there. That's for the boys. Oh. She see from the other room. <laughs> well, here I come with a piano bunch. I mean, listen, where did piano bend? <laughs> Although the other way would be good too. Here I come with the piano bunch. <laughs> Just as good one way or the other. Where, uh. Oh, really, what's the difference if I say, here I come with a piano bench, or here I come with a piano bunch? It doesn't make any difference. Hey, where, uh. Where where do you want me to sit, Mary? Uh, right here. Your name's on the place card. Well, place cards and everything. How did Phil know where to sit? He can't read. <laughs> I put his picture on the plate. Oh. That's your fault, Bunch. You got people thinking I can't read. <laughs> oh, yeah? Let me see you write your name. Don't change the subject. I'm talking about reading. <laughs> I thought so. Oh, Ernest. Ernest. What's keeping that butler? I don't know why you hired that smart Alec Butler anyway. I'll get him. Hey, Ernest! Yes, sir? Ernest, we're ready to... Ernest, why'd you come in here barefooted? Where are your shoes? Don't you remember? I handed them to you when I came in. <laughs> what? I used to work in a winery. Stop with the joke! 
Look, just just bring in the food. You'll have to wait. The turkey won't be ready for a few minutes yet. Hmm. Well, kids, it looks like we'll have to wait a while. Yeah, Dennis, how about singing another song? Say, Jack, Phil's band is here in the Sportsman's Quartet, and they've got a swell arrangement of an old square dance number. A square dance number? Say, I haven't heard one of those in a long time. What do you want me to sing? Sit down, kid. Thanks, I've been here since 6.30. (laughs) What? I would have been here earlier, but the cow didn't have her bag packed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Now, look. Now, let's all... Let's all get around the piano and do the square dance. Look, I'll grab a violin from one of the boys. Hey, Larry, let me have your violin. Here you are, Jackson. Thanks. Now, how about it, Don? Okay, let's go, fellas. Turkey in the straw. Okay, wait for me now. Wait for me. Dinner is served. The turkey's on the table. Okay, okay. Come on in, kids. Come on. Gee, that turkey looks good. Uh, Jack, will you do the carving? Sure, I love to carve. Give me that knife. Mary, what do you want? White meat or dark meat? Uh, white meat, please. How about you, Dennis? Oh, I'll have a drumstick. Okay. Don, what would you like? White meat, dark meat, a leg or a wing? Yes, thank you. With gravy. <laughs> You know, Don, if you were twins, I'd have a good slogan for you. What is it? Guess which twin ate the pony. (laughs) Oh, that was a dilly, wasn't it? Uh, Miss Livingston, shall I serve the hot biscuits now? Uh, Yes, Ernest. Very well, madam. There. Ernest, don't throw the biscuits. Certainly not. Why don't you stand closer to the table? I've been watching these people eat, and I don't want to get any on me. What? And that old man with the carving knife scares me to death. Now, wait a minute. I know your type. Those blue eyes aren't fooling me a bit. Why do you hire it? Look, you're just mad because my tuxedo is better than yours. Why, you old... Ernest, Ernest. Your job is to serve the food, not to antagonize the green hornet. I mean... Yes, madam. Say, Mr. Benny, how about making a speech? Yeah, come on, go speech, ahead. Jack. Come speech. On. Speech. Yeah, right. go ahead. ahead. Go ahead, Jack. Say something. You know, this is the first time we've all had dinner together in a long time. Okay, I'll make a speech. <clears throat> well, kids, it's sure nice for all of us to be here on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. The day set aside 
where families can gather together in common bond and humbly give thanks in a spirit of brotherly love. Here, here. Thank you. <laughs> yes, Thanksgiving. A day that was originally started by the Pilgrim Fathers. The Pilgrim Fathers. That stalwart, staunch group of men and women who left their native shore... Don, stop eating. And after months of suffering, had their hardship rewarded by safely landing at Cape Cod in the year of 1620. Yes, our Pilgrim Fathers... Jack. Our Pilgrim Fathers... Jack. What is it, Don? The Pilgrims didn't land at Cape Cod. They landed at Plymouth Rock. No, 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 Don. It was Cape Cod. Jack, any schoolboy knows it was Plymouth Rock. How can you say Cape Cod? Don, don't tell me anything about history. I went to school, too, and I say the Pilgrims landed at Cape Cod. They didn't land at Cape Cod. It was Plymouth Rock. Don, they landed at Cape Cod. And if you don't... Jack, put down that carving knife. (laughs) Oh, pardon me. Beast. Now, Don, Don, this is Thanksgiving, so let's not quarrel. You think it was Plymouth Rock, but I know it was Cape Cod. And you can take my word for it. I know what I'm talking about. Well, so do I. It was Plymouth Rock. It was Cape Cod. Oh, for heaven's sake, cut it out. Ernest, serve the dessert, will you please? I will if those two gentlemen will get off the table. (laughs) I will if he will. I'll have some more of the white meat. That's my leg. (laughs) I wish you told me sooner I put gravy on it. Now, Don Wilson, I think it's awful for you to come here on Thanksgiving, accept Mary's hospitality, eat my lifesavers, and start a big argument like this. I didn't start the argument. You did. And you can ask anybody, and they'll tell you the pilgrims landed on Plymouth Rock. I don't care who you ask. I still say they landed at Cape Cod. Jack, for goodness sake, finish the speech you started. I'll do it if everybody will shut up. Here, here. I won't talk unless everybody is quiet. I won't speak. (laughs) Now, as I was saying, (laughs) we're gathered here on Thanksgiving Day in a spirit of friendship, a word that in itself represents that binding tie between all people. Let's try, friends. Let's try to keep the feeling that is so prevalent on this day throughout the entire year. So whenever you feel discouraged, just think of the spirit of those pilgrims who sailed across the ocean deep and finally landed at Cape Cod. Jack, we'll be back in just a moment, but first... It is 67. A recent impartial survey covering all the southern tobacco markets reveals this important fact. More independent tobacco experts smoke Lucky Strike regularly than the next two leading brands combined. Yes, Lucky Strike. First again with tobacco men. But what does that mean to me? Simply this. These independent tobacco experts have had years of experience buying, selling, and handling tobacco. And it's important for you to know that more of these independent tobacco experts smoke Lucky Strike regularly than the next two leading brands combined. You've heard the survey results. Now, here's what Mr. James Monroe Ball, 33 years a tobacco auctioneer, who sold more than 400 million pounds of tobacco recently said. At market after market, I've seen the makers of Lucky Strike buy fine, ripe, mellow leaf. 
Good, rich tobacco that makes a swell smoke. I'll smoke Lucky's 31 years. A Lucky Strike smoker for 31 years. And Mr. Ball, like you, looks to the cigarette he smokes for enjoyment. Real deep-down smoking enjoyment. So light up a Lucky yourself. Puff by puff, you'll see. L-S-M-F-T. L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. And this fine Lucky Strike tobacco means a world of smoking enjoyment for you. That's why you'll like Lucky Strike. Boss, it's pretty late. Why don't you go to bed? Wait a minute, Rochester. I'm looking something up in this history book. Here it is. In the year of 1620, the Pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock. Hmm. Gee, it wasn't Cape Cod. It was Plymouth Rock. Don Wilson was right. Well, I hate to do this, but I guess I'll just have to call him up and fire him. <laughs> He's so smart, he can get another job. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned in for the Phil Harris Alice Fray Show, which follows immediately. And on Saturday nights, to be sure to hear A Day in the Life of Dennis Day and the Lucky Strike Hit Parade starring Frank Sinatra. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. And for no particular reason, let's drop in on a Bob Hope monologue. From 1943. And speaking of little things and trivia in general, here's old General Trivia in person. Your commanding officer of this command performance, your old sidekick and chief scout of the Wolf Patrol, Bob Hope. Thank you very much. Thank you. How do you do, fellas? This is Bob. This is Bob, command performance, Hope. Telling each Nazi that's in Russia today that Crimea doesn't pay. <laughs> I'm now getting my material from H.B. Coltonborn. <laughs> well, I'm a little tired tonight. I just got back from Camp Roberts, drove down 200 miles in a Jeep. Tomorrow I get the order of the Purple Callus. But I had a swell time, and I slept right in the barracks last night with the boys. You know what barracks are. That's 2,000 cots separated by individual crap games. <laughs> Next morning, I needed a shave, so I shaved with the soldiers. You know, it's pretty tough shaving in a crowded room with such bad light. The doctor told me as he stitched my nose back on. <laughs> and then I took a shower with the soldiers, and it was really crowded in there, too. It's the first time I ever scrubbed my chest with both hands while two hands scrubbed my back. <laughs> then we had breakfast, and what an experience marching into the mess hall with 2,000 boys. The mess sergeant yelled, come and get it. And anyone between the chow hounds and the chow got it. <laughs> and boy, boy, those soldiers eat everything. I turned to the soldier next to me and said, you get a knife and fork? And he said, yes, they were delicious. <laughs> And boy, do those soldiers pack it away fast. I bowed my head to say grace, and when I looked up, they asked me what I wanted for dessert. <laughs> it was a wonderful day, and the commanding officer was lovely to me. He said, Hope, when you're drafted, I don't want you to go into any company but mine. I said, why? And he said, I want to release a whack for active duty. <laughs> I love visiting those camps. The other day, I went to March Field to visit the Flyers. They invited me to take a flight. 
And all the pilots were wonderful to me, except one fellow. He was rather insulting. I asked him how to open a parachute, and he said, just count up to ten. Jerk. We, uh... <laughs> we flew for a while, then we stunted. I told the pilot to fly low over Crosby's house and wiggle his landing gear. While we were doing it, one of Crosby's kids ran out, looked up, and said, Hey, Paul, there's the stork thumbing his nose at you again. <laughs> Now, if you ever wondered what Raymond Burr was doing before he was Mr. Perry Mason, well, this is it. He was Lee Quince on Fort Laramie, a more realistic portrayal of the West than uh, most of the stuff on the radio. We're going back now to hear about The Lost Child, and this is from 1956. Raymond Burr as Captain Lee Quince. Specially transcribed tales of the dark and tragic ground of the wild frontier. The saga of fighting men who rode the rim of empire. And the dramatic story of Lee Quince, Captain of Cavalry. Dismiss the patrol. I've got to report to Major Daggett. Yes, sir. And see that their horses are babied right this time. Yes, sir. Patrol. Bears his mount. His mount. Captain Quince reporting, sir. I... Oh, I'm sorry, sir. I thought you'd be alone. That's all right, Captain. Well, this is Major Barlow. Major? My pleasure, Captain. Well, how did your patrol fare? Routine, sir. No sign of trouble. Good. Oh, sit down, Quince. Uh, thank you, sir. Major Barlow is here on orders from General Staff in Washington. He's surveying all the posts in our department. I have only a few days here, and then I'm going on to Fort Dodge. General Custer's command? Yes. I'm looking forward to that. Read hundreds of reports, and certainly that 7th Cavalry is doing the best job of the hostiles that can be done. You haven't surveyed them yet? Well, not personally, no. The record reads victory after victory. I wish we could say the same about the second. Well, the circumstances are a little different, Major. They're waging open warfare from Fort Dodge. Here, we try to keep hostilities at a minimum, maintain peace. Captain, how much firefight have we seen in the last month? Well, three or four skirmishes is all, sir. Mostly with dog soldiers driven from the Fort Dodge section. Dog soldiers? Uh, there are two kinds of Cheyenne. That's the tribe we've been most interested in around here lately. Dog soldiers are the warriors. They wear three feathers. Oh. The ones that don't wear the feathers are the reservation peaceful kind. We don't bother either unless they make us. Yeah. 
Well, Major, it's the belief of many members of the staff, including myself, that a soft policy such as yours is bound to lead to an uprising. I hope you're wrong, sir. Well, the hostile see it as a sign of weakness. The only way to enforce peace with these savages is to maintain constant pressure, continual display of strength. Will we get a directive to that effect, Major? Or is that a private opinion? It's my opinion at the moment. I can assure you I'll do everything I can to see a directive based on it. Now, Captain, if you'll show me to your troop area. Yes, sir. Major Barlow will be attached to your troop during his stay. You'll place yourself at his disposal, do everything possible to assist him in making his survey. It's an honor, sir. First thing I want to do, Captain, is make a complete tour of the reservation camps. I want a first-hand look at the natives. Their condition, their attitudes, extent of their weapons, so on. Camps are pretty well scattered, Major. It'll take some time to cover all of them. These reservation people should be centralized so they can be watched. They've lived in small village bands for hundreds of generations. They kind of need stretching room. They're prisoners of war, Captain. Prisoners of war live under imposed conditions, not their own. Yes, sir. Captain Quince. Yes, Sergeant. At ease. What is it? There's a man waiting for you in the orderly room, sir. Ben Coons. What does he want? He says his stepson was stole by the Cheyenne. What's that? We'll go in and find out. Thank you, Sergeant. I've just heard about your son, Coons. How'd it happen? How do I know? My place is only five miles outside of town, and he was gone when I got home last night. Look at this. Cheyenne scalping knife. Was stuck in my door. I've had a Cheyenne Lodge oath hanging over my head for a year. That filthy devil finally found a way to get to me. You mean someone in particular? One of the worst of the breed. Wasaya. I've heard of him. Quite a warrior. You say he's had a personal hatred for you, Mr. Coons? Ever since last summer. I was scouting for the seventh. Run across his camp on that big north swing of the Solomon. You know, Captain, just before it flows into Grand Valley. Yeah, I know. Well, I led the troopers into it, and during the fracas, Wasaya's brother was killed. That's when he took the oath to put me under. Or do worse. Now he's done it. Taken Billy. I'm sorry about your son, Coons. But the way I heard the story of that attack... Wasaya's wife and eight-year-old son were killed, too, by one of our scouts. I didn't have nothing to do with it. I I did what I was paid to. Captain, the man's child's been kidnapped. I see no reason to discuss anything else. The army's supposed to protect the civilians. What makes you so sure it was, Wasaya? Well, he brought his band into the Laramie foothills two days ago, put that and the knife and his oath together, and there's no place else to look. Where'd you hear he was in this part of the country? Your breed scout, Quanto, got wind of it. I should think you would have learned about it in your patrol, Captain. No, we were working in the other direction, Major. No. I heard this morning. Right away, I got the feeling about what happened, and I started looking for sign around my place. I found it right enough. A wash about a half mile away. 
Tracks of nine ponies headed south toward the hills. I want that Cheyenne dog brought in and hung up where I can see it. Sergeant Gorse? Yo. Go look up Quanto. He says there's a band of Cheyenne in the Laramie foothills. I want to talk to their head man. Find out where they are, pick out ten good men for the patrol, including you. Yes, sir. You'll make provision for me to go with you, Captain. There won't be much in the way of provision, Major, but you're welcome, sir. Coons, you go tell your story to Major Daggett. As soon as I get word from him, we'll move out. All right, Captain. Oh, Coons. How old is your stepson? Nine years next month. If he's still alive. Same age Wasaya's son would have been. Well, if they're together, I don't think you have to worry about Billy being anything but alive and well. You got a lot to learn about Cheyenne, Captain. Maybe you could teach me. You want to come along? I'll go talk to the Major. (laughs) There goes a man with a bad conscience. What about your own, Captain? You seem to feel more sympathy for the savage than you do for this poor man who's lost a child. I hardly think your attitude right for a man in your position. I suppose it won't look good in your survey report, sir, but there's a popular idea out here I've never been able to swallow and keep down. That whatever a white man does to an Indian is all right. But whatever an Indian does is all wrong. You and I are soldiers, Captain. We do not set policy. We follow it. Yes, sir. Fast water, quarter talk about just around this bend, Captain. I know, I caught some beautiful trout in that stretch. That's where their camp's supposed to be. Hadn't you better order carbines at the ready? A show of preparedness, Captain? A little late for that, Major. They've had their eye on us for at least an hour. Why do you bring a small force into a situation like this? Surely you don't trust them not to catch us in ambush. I don't trust them, Major. I know them. The best place for ambush was about two miles back. We've gone beyond the point of carbines at the ready. There you are, Major, up ahead, waiting for us. Those are dog soldiers. Some of the best mounted fighters in the world. We are well outnumbered, Captain. We always are. Now, they'll come in to meet us at full run and screaming like banshees. That's their way. They don't want you to know whether they mean to be friendly or to open your throat. If we had our carbines ready, their run wouldn't be exactly friendly. Patrol! Halt! Keep your hands away from your weapons, men, unless I tell you different. Stay relaxed the way you do on the parade ground when I want you to be alert. You should have ordered out your full troop, Captain. Captain, here they come. I see him, Gorse. Act like this happens every day, men. Just rest easy in your saddles and talk to each other. (laughs) 
Captain, order carbines at the ready. That an order, Major? It's common sense. Show them we'll fight. Don't draw your pistol, Major. You'll spook them for sure, waving that thing around. They'd have opened up by now if they were going to. Bahi, who is chief among you? Which of you is Wasaya? I am Wasaya. Why do the soldiers come to us? We have done no wrong. I brought you your scalping knife, Wasaya. Here. Where is the one called Coons? The woman killer? The child killer? Did he die of fear when he found my sign? Why, that insolent beggar. He says that you came for vengeance and that you stole his son. I have stolen no son. You were at his house and now the boy is missing. I have stolen no boy. Oh, he's lying, Captain. What does the high soldier say? I say you are lying. Major. I speak true. We'll search your camp and find out how much truth. No, we want no soldiers in our camp. Ain't there any way you can stop him, Captain? You ever been able to stop me, Gors? Well, I'd sure try if you went off half-cocked like he is. to our camp, there is trouble. We want no trouble. We are at peace. You don't want us in your camp because you're lying. The search is going to be made. And if you resist us, I'll see the whole second cavalry out to do the job. Pondu Nikano! Patrol! Carbines at the ready! Boots your carbines! What was that, Captain? Sorry, Major. They're going back to their camp. Oh. Those insolent... Well, at least I've seen a prime example of what a soft policy brings about. The hostiles move up here from the 7th Cavalry area. Undoubtedly, they rest, repair equipment, and go back to take up the attack again. Some of them do, some of them don't. There are good ones and bad ones with these people, same as there are with whites. Well, until such time as a magician is attached to the 2nd who can distinguish between the two, Captain, pressure should be exerted against all of them. We'll return to the fort. I'm going to recommend that at least two troops are assigned to this matter until that boy's recovered. With your permission, sir... I'll stay here. Sergeant Gorse will take command of the patrol and escort you. Why on earth stay here? I need your statement of the fort. You have plenty of other witnesses, sir. Before you come back with two troops of cavalry, I'd... I'd sort of like to see what one man can do in that camp. You're thinking as an individual again, Captain. A hard habit to break, sir. If it doesn't work, it'll make a strong point in your survey report. Very well. I trust you don't expect commendation on your stubbornness. I do plan to make reference to your unmilitary behavior. It'd be better if we could send old brass shoulders in alone. Watch your manners, Sergeant. You want me to stay with you? Thank you, Gorse, but I don't need you. This may look crazy, but I don't think I'll run into any trouble. That young'un's in there, you will, sir. No, I don't figure he is. I've been thinking. If I was Wasaya and had kidnapped the boy, I sure wouldn't have left a knife to point the finger at me. And I would have hightailed it out of these parts a long time before this. I sure hope you're right, Captain. Sergeant, I'm ready to go. Not far enough. Watch your manners, Gorse. Yes, sir. 
Good luck. in our camp. Then come out here, Wasaya, so we can talk without being bothered by others. Do we talk about the son I did not steal? I believe you. I believe that you didn't steal him. Your high soldier is blind. His words cut like flint. He's new to this country. He has much to learn. He went back. Does he bring more soldiers to attack us? That's what's in his mind now. It'll take a day, so you have time to move your camp. Strange words from a soldier. Why do you stand with me when the high soldier says I lie? I've heard much of you, Wasaya. If you were going to steal a son, you'd do it better than this. I say this. The days are gone when a son brought only gladness to his father. Now the father looks to the day... When his son reaches manhood and sees nothing but sadness and hunger and fighting a war that will not be won. Some nights, when sleep runs away from me, I think of my son. And I am happy that he is not with me to share the trouble that follows us. I would steal no son. I have nothing to give him. Do you... Truly want peace, Wasaya? A peace with honor, yes. We are tired of fighting and running. This is a small thing, a missing child, when you measure it against the bigness of the trouble that we're all in, all the tribes, all the army units. But it's a thing that could stir everything up again. Word from the major could go to Washington. His words from his mind. They'd be believed because no other words could go to say they were wrong. I'd like to stop it, Wasaya. Would you help me? How would a Cheyenne help a soldier? If you and I could find the boy and take him back, everyone would know that you were a man of honor and truth and that you lead a peaceful band. Then the high soldier's word would be lies. You'd be right, and he'd be wrong. For that, I would help. But how? Have any other new bands moved into this section that could have taken the boy? One Shoshone and one from my tribe. Could you find out if they have him? Yeah. Will you do it? I will. While you do that, I'll try and get a line on him. Will you meet me in the wash near Coon's place at sunrise tomorrow? Do you know what you asked me to do? To help the man who killed my son and my wife? I know, Wasaya. We meet at sunrise, soldier.
Hold. Hold. I am here, soldier. You hide well. What did you learn? The boy is not with the Shoshones and not with the Cheyenne. Then we have another way to go. He has an uncle in the Rock River settlement. He's talked to some of his young friends about going to live with him. He told them the trail he'd take. If I put you on it, could you pick up his sign and follow it? I have followed older sign. We'll go then. Well, here. All right. Look there, a piece of cloth. I'd say he has torn clothing and a sore knee. He rested here. Slept, I think. See, the glass is pressed down. He's traveled a long way for an eight-year-old. I think not much farther than this. He started very slow from here. There, soldier. Billy... Billy. We're going to take you home. No, I won't go back. It's all right, Billy. Who is he? His name is Wasiah. He's a friend of mine. You are a good, strong boy to come this far. If I had a son, I would hope he would be so strong. You've got a nasty bruise on your face, Billy. You must have taken a bad fall. He hit me. Who did? My pa. With a stick. He hit me till I ran away. Here. Let's see under your shirt. Yeah, he sure did hit you, didn't he? I won't go back. My pa hit me again. Come on, come on. Stand up, Billy. Look, I... I don't blame you for running away. I guess I'd have done the same thing. I won't go back. If you want to live with your uncle, I I think we can work it out. In Rock River? Yeah. And instead of trying to get there all by yourself, how would you like it if you could ride with the cavalry? By myself? On a horse? Yes. Horse all your own. Now. Now, you ready to start back? I won't stay with my pa. You won't have to. Come here, boy. You ride with me on my pony. No, I don't want to. Sure you do, Billy. Think what you can tell your friends. 
I'll bet none of them have ridden with a real Cheyenne warrior. Come on now. Show them how brave you are. Come here, boy. Am I strong enough to lift you up? He not know the feel of a white man on his back. You all right, Billy? Does this pony run fast? Oh, yes. Faster than prairie fire. I go. Wake, soldier. They're forming the two troops for the big search. I go no farther. I know how you feel, because I felt the same way riding into your camp. But the major from Washington won't believe you had a part of this unless you ride in with me. You have my word that everything will be all right. I go on your word. Right up to the Major, Wasaya. Captain Quince reporting, sir. Well, this savage did steal the boy. In spite of his surrender, he's to be punished. This is no surrender. Give me the details, Captain. I'd rather you ask the boy, sir. All right, son. What did he do to you? He didn't steal me. He found me. I ran away because my pa hit me with a stick. He does it lots of times, and I won't go back. I just won't. Order the troops dismissed. Yes, sir. Prepare to dismount. Come on, Billy. We'll find you something to eat. Was I a... I'd stay out of the 7th Cavalry territory for a while. The high soldier is going to be moving that way. There is very far place where there are many antelope. I think my people are hungry for antelope. My thanks go with you. Mine stay with you. You grow strong, boy. One day you can beat your stepfather. I leave my vengeance... With you. Goodbye! Come on, Billy. Captain? Yeah, Goss? Old Ironside sure don't want to admit there's such a thing as a good engine, does he? He's a better soldier than we are, Sergeant. What? He operates strictly from the book. Maybe in the next situation... The book will be right. Fort Laramie is produced and directed by Norman MacDonald 
and stars Raymond Burr as Lee Quince, Captain of Cavalry, with Vic Perrin as Sergeant Gorse. The script was specially written for Fort Laramie by Gil Dowd, with sound patterns by Bill James and Ray Kemper, musical supervision by Amerigo Marino. Featured in the cast were Lawrence Dobkin, Clayton Post, Ralph Moody, Jack Moyles, and Richard Beals. Company tension. Dismiss. Next week, another transcribed story of the Northwest Frontier and the troopers who fought under Lee Quince, Captain of Cavalry. Each Monday through Friday evening, CBS Radio rings you in on the fabulous adventures of insurance investigator Johnny Dollar. Just by decoding the cryptic items in his expense account, you'll learn how a dime spent in a phone booth can lead to a scene of the wildest suspense. Then on to a sum spent for an airplane ticket, or an item for a new shoelace, and again you'll find yourself smack in the middle of a thrill-packed situation. Each new adventure moves the story forward to its dramatic payoff, when Johnny Dollar solves yet another case of arson, fraud, or murder. Every Monday through Friday night over most of these same stations, hear yours truly, Johnny Dollar. That's it for this week. We'll be back next week with more old-time radio. I hope you can join us then. Till then, this is Jim Dolan thanking you for listening.